rest of the Sugaru. Episode 3, No Regrets, Present Day Keeping the mystic's prediction in the back of my mind, I watched as the future predicted on the midway played out right in front of my eyes. Though, the rest of the people present on that day still maintained there was never a Madame Zylia. The mystic's prediction was right. After that bizarre day at Palmer's, Greg and Becky began a heated relationship. Shortly thereafter, the two of them were married and divorced, all within six months. It can't be a coincidence. I know what happened. The mystic saw the future. Too bad she had no real predictions for me. I would have liked to known about my fate, to not have been tricked into Max's games, to have known about the rut I've gotten myself into gnawing at my life. A few years ago, out of the blue, Greg called because he needed a new roommate. Personally, I needed a new rut. So, I moved into his spare bedroom. That phone call was almost three years ago. I'm still spinning my wheels in the same place. I'm tired of thinking about the bygone days of my youth. It's time to ponder my next move. The sound of Greg leaving the house lures me from my room. I tiptoe to the living room and watch some television until I'm exhausted enough to go to bed. In the confines of sleep, my mind races. Standing in the woods, I can't tell exactly where. I'm out of my own body. Vague outlines of brothers in arms. Unrecognizable faces blurred by the situation. Fogged, the peppering of gunfire echoes in slow motion. An eerie symphony of sound accompanied by faint screams of injured men whose blurred outlines become defined as their souls leave their bodies. I run to the fallen. I can't help them. Blood flows heavily from damaging wounds. Faces become disarranged by enemy's fire, their bodies reduced to a shell, their souls moving beyond this realm. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. The battle diminishes, and I stand to see the results. The ground is filled with blood, reaching my knees, no signs of life, just me, in an ocean of blood. A sharp pain in my back launches me forward, face first into a bloody sea. I'm drowning, paralyzed, and as my demise looms, blackness, nothingness, death cycles me back to reality. <laughs> Jerked awake, I sit up, wipe the sweat from my face, and glance at my alarm clock. 4.30 in the morning. Damn it. I lay my head on my soaked pillow and catch my breath. Unable to stand the sweat-drenched sheets any longer, I roll out of bed. I'm tired, shambled, and barely stagger my way to the bathroom. I have to find a way to make the nightmare stop. I rip the sheets from my bed and stumble in the dark to the washer. As the wash cycle begins, I grab my clean sheets from the dryer and attempt to sleep again. Thanks, Greg. Sulfur, structure fires, blood and diesel, the smells which still linger in my nose, and bring the stress of dreams into reality. 
I can't focus. The acts repeat. I'm truly there. Even with visions of death and my mind aflame in thought, I'm exhausted enough to fall asleep once again. My eyes crack open in the brightness of the afternoon. Although the rest of my sleep was uneventful, I can't stop thinking about that dreadful dream. So much blood and death. It's chilling to say the least. I'm in a fog and I can't wake up, but the rich aroma of coffee opens my nose enough to gather myself out of bed and make my way to the coffee pot. Greg comes over. I heard you were awake and uh, made some fresh coffee for you. He smiles. Did you get some rest? Not really. I return his smile. Thanks for the coffee. You know, you've been drinking so much coffee lately. He sits at the table and finishes filling out his papers for work. I'm going to have to start buying it in bulk. Sorry. I sit across from him where a strange box rests on the table. What's this? Uh, Greg shrugs. Beats me. Found it on the porch when I came home for lunch. I pick up the box. There's no shipping address. No return address. Just my initials. A-S-H. I look to Greg with suspicion. Did you do this? Uh, no. I already told you. I literally just found it on the porch like that. He taps the table with his pen. Are you okay? I nod slowly. I think I'm okay. I mean, I'm walking and talking. His brow slants with concern. That's a low bar, but a good start. I stare at the box. Where do you think it came from? A stalker? He jokes and looks up at the clock. Damn! I have to be back at the club by five. I have inventory to finish. He gathers his papers and hurries toward the door. See you later, Abby. If you need anything, call my office. My cell's in the shop with a broken screen. I stare at the inauspicious box for just a moment, wondering about the oddity within. I shake the box in hopes to reveal its contents. Just open it, Abby. What are you waiting for? But what if it's a bomb? If it's a bomb, who cares? Kaboom! Open it! My more curious half wins over my more logical side. I grab a knife from the butcher's block and run the blade along the seams of the box, cutting the tape. Under the static-charged packing peanuts, a cube about the size of a Rubik's Cube. It hasn't any identifying marks, no notes or instructions. The cube itself is made of a dark, petrified-looking wood encased in a thick layer of glass. I set the intriguing cube on the counter to admire it. The wood has a faint blue-lighted swirl, resembling a living catalyst. Why would someone send me this thing? Stop! A man's urgent voice shatters my thoughts. Don't do anything else with that cube, whatever you do. I turn around. The stranger approaches me. Please, give it to me, I need it. He puts out his hand. With his advancement, I jump backward. Stop, don't come any closer. I grab my phone off the charger. I'll call the police. I finally found you. He grins unnaturally and picks up the cube. I slowly set the phone on the counter. Who are you? I ask with cautious curiosity. It's me, Benny. You sent this? He stares for a moment, as if he's waiting for me to recognize him. You really have no idea? You can't remember? Sorry, dude. Nothing. I don't remember him. But the details of his face have a familiar sincerity. His eyes, nose, mouth, each feature pleasantly placed. Heh, I wish I did know him. He almost seems disappointed I don't remember him. I shake my head. No, you're unremarkable, Benny. I point to the cube in his hands. Now, what about that cube? He looks at the cube. Uh, whomever sent you this cube may be trying to harm you. He puts the cube in his bag. I can't explain anything more. I gotta get going. He starts to leave, but I stop him. What the hell is going on here? I don't believe you. I really don't care. His uncanny smile chills me, setting off red flags. 
He pulls a strange gun from his jacket and activates the trigger. A ball of electricity flies toward me, knocking me down. My mind flashes into a static collage of repetitious images of a life I never lived as I fade into darkness. I awaken the next day in the late afternoon in my own bed. My head throbs. I feel like I spent last night drinking gasoline drowning in my memories. I find myself standing at the coffee maker, drinking cold coffee directly from the pot. Well, good afternoon, Abby. Is the coffee fresh enough for whatever you're recovering from? Greg's at the table eating. (laughs) He looks me over as I wipe the drips of coffee from my lips. Cold and caffeinated. I grab a glass and fill it up with tap water. Wild night? Sleeping in till 4.30 in the afternoon is a new low for you. I don't know what happened exactly. (sighs) I sip my water and give thought to my next question. Did I receive a strange package yesterday? Not that I know of. I've been at the club, but, uh... He thinks a moment. Did you ask Max? Ugh, I almost forgot about him. Well, he's here. He points to the floor. He didn't even wait for me to pick him up. He came here in a cab about six this morning, barely said a sentence to me, and disappeared downstairs into the basement. I assume he's made himself at home already. I mean, his old bed is still down there and everything. Well, that's odd. Max had nothing to say. He used to be so talkative. Yeah, I mean, you hear stories all the time about guys who come home from war, all fucked up from what they saw. Maybe they fucked him up, too. Yeah, they may have. I walk away from the conversation before I say something rude, such as, he was already fucked up. I feel bad for Max, but he wasn't the nicest guy before the military got to him. He always acts like the world owes him something. This is someone who only joined the military to avoid prison. To cool my embers, I crash on the couch and begin to veg out. Unfortunately, I hear that rat Max in the basement wrestling around with something, probably searching for where his life went wrong. I hope he stays there. Hey, Abby. Greg comes from the kitchen holding a bowl of popcorn. Wanted to watch a game and chill with me? He plops himself down on the couch beside me. I steal a handful of popcorn and hold up the remote for him. Thanks. He happily snatches it, turning the channel to a hockey game. The Kings are on later tonight. He munches on his popcorn. The game doesn't keep my attention, so I begin to toss the popcorn in the air, attempting to catch it in my mouth. After a few attempts, I actually make it. (laughs) I look at Greg. He claps slowly. Good shot. But you know I'm better. He tosses a few pieces but can't catch them. Yeah, you're better at making a mess. I chomp my curls and watch him. A loud bang echoes from the basement. Greg stomps on the floor in return. Hey, knock it off! We're trying to watch people score here! He nudges me like I didn't hear him. What do you think he's doing down there? He turns the volume up louder on the TV. I laugh at his double entendre. Honestly, I don't know and couldn't care less. I grab another handful of popcorn. He mutes the TV. He won't even come upstairs. Well, then why is he here? I pick through my popcorn. (sighs) He's only here because when my dad died, he willed the house to both of his sons. Me, and unfortunately, Max. Well, Max is just like your dad. I finish my popcorn, dust my hands, and take a drink of my water. No, 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 no. My dad was much worse. Yes, Max is a bastard. He picked on me my entire life, but I still love him, and he's nothing like my father. Well, you know, love him or not, he's still an asshole. I know he is. Hmm. That's why I don't understand why you fucked him. Whoa. Ouch. I hide my watering eyes. Whatever. I don't know why you have to bring that mess up. But you know it's true. You you said it. Ugh. 
He looks ashamed for both of us. I'm sorry. I know it'll be awkward, but we'll get through it together, and we'll laugh about it later. Can we drop it now? I pout. Greg puts his head on my shoulder like a sad dog. Much later. I glare at him. Yippee. In the meantime, can we watch the game? I'm sick of talking about your brother. Yes, ma'am. Greg unmutes the TV and continues munching his popcorn while I fluff the pillow and curl up on the other side of the couch. There's a saying. Hindsight is twenty-twenty. Let's just say it's accurate. I've known Max and Greg McKenzie practically my whole life. Looking back, I lived my life in a bubble. I was intentionally blinded by my own young ignorance. I looked up to Max. Unlike me, he was always an intriguing character, flying by the scene of his pants. He dropped out of high school at 17 and turned to the family drug business for income. His uncanny ability to make money was why almost every girl in the neighborhood fell for him. But not me. I just always found him to be repulsive and arrogant. <laughs> I know I was never completely innocent. Before Greg's graduation party, the only reason I would ever talk to Max would be to buy a bag of weed from him here and there. Our few moments of awkward silence are interrupted, but something starts to feel peculiar, and not just emotionally. A tingling sensation passes through my body as a low rumble boils up from the floorboards. Lights begin to flicker on and off. A roar violently shakes the entire house. I think what's going on? I don't know! Electricity dances across every surface. The charge frolics in the air, raising the hair on my skin. Just when I feel my mortality nearing, it all comes to an abrupt end. And an explosion of light. Next time on Tales of the Zuguru. I've been energized. I'm sorry, I didn't mean for all this to happen. No roads, grass, or people. It was my first time playing God. Looks like you took out the entire neighborhood. This thing caused all that trouble? It's like a light bomb went off. This doesn't make sense. Why? I'm sorry, did I interrupt? Wow. If you look at all the stars we see here... I'm not that smart! ...and imagine there are billions upon billions more we can't see? Mm, uh, nope. It's gone. Max? And I won't be doing any encores. Can we please go home now?